when she talked about vaccines in, in general. Uh, you know, we're not even sure that any of them are any good. But did you hear Cuckoo's excerpts from Cuckoo's speech today? He's going to... His handlers are really coming out of the closet today. I didn't hear anything. Judy said she may have read a couple things, but I, I honestly, I, I don't know. You know, I will say this. I heard two top-of-the-hour news reports at, I think, 5 and perhaps 4 o'clock. I don't know when he gave it. I don't know when he gave it, but they didn't report anything on it. So it must have been that they just didn't know how to handle it yet. They hadn't been told what to feed over the wire. What time did he do it? Uh, it was right around after lunch, but uh, he's oh, in really? effect turned, turned us into the uh, the enemy of the United States. Anybody that's not vaccinated is the problem and will be dealt with. Wow. So, and he he muffed the speech because he started out and said, we must look at the pros and cons. And he said on the con side, then he listed everything. He never came back and said on the pro side. (laughs) So... (laughs) So the whole speech was on the con, but you know, you know, like that lady said, I get the information and then I make my decision. You get your information and you make your decision, and we move on. But they yeah. cannot, they cannot accept that, can they? Well, and that no. is and... the definition of tyranny. Yeah, and it's the definition of slavery, as I have tried Mm -hmm. so many times to point out to people. Mm -hmm. This war for independence 240-some years ago now had nothing whatsoever to do with a 1% tax on tea. It, It cannot be stated enough, apparently, because the vast majority of people do not yet understand. I shared with you yesterday how right now they've adopted a a law in in a small city of less than 6,000 people and said, we're going to provide city garbage service. And it's only going to cost you $15 a month. It's just going to be added to your water bill. Well, you can Mm -hmm. imagine why the whole people would just be on board with this because right now it's probably costing them somewhere in the order of $40. Or maybe $20 a pickup, you know, like weekly or whatever it is. So this is just an amazing, you know, development for for city citizens. Now, I told Judy, I said, you mark my words. That $13 will be $26 next year. And Mm -hmm. after that, it will increase by probably an additional $8 every year thereafter, if not more. And, you know, if and and you are forced to utilize their collection service, whether you like it or not. 
Now, some might say, well, you live in a city, you got to have certain city ordinances and the things that make it easiest and work the best and put the least amount of traffic on the on the city streets and, and so forth uh, is, is going to be all the better. Okay, but wait a minute. What if 15 to 20 percent of those citizens were not utilizing the service at all? And now you're suddenly going to add, add into the infrastructure uh, pain, such as the roads and so forth, uh, another 15 to 20 percent, because people are now going to have garbage picked up that they didn't have before. And what happens when now people start, you know, so increasing their, their throwaway pr pr uh, items and so forth that it actually requires more trucks on uh, on the regular routes because there's more garbage because people are are actually not saving or not uh, that's not the word I'm looking for are not seeking to conserve how they utilize their garbage system so now it's like well hey this is all included and it's a whole lot cheaper you know let's throw the dishwasher in there this week let's well, you know, let's throw the microwave in, you know, let's do whatever we can to throw things in here. And pretty soon we've got a whole lot more stuff that's needing to be hauled away than we ever had before. There's consequences all the time for these kinds of things. And these bureaucrats never, ever think of the future consequences. They seem just oblivious to the potential of future consequences. Yeah. And... Suzanne Humphreys, um, you know, we were we were talking about this too. You you reference her videos, uh -huh. and Su Suzanne Humphreys, she's asked a question by the the reporter, and this probably was likely a friendly reporter. I could grant uh -huh. that probably, but let's just mm -hmm. take the question. Do you feel betrayed by the medical establishment? She kind of stops and she shifts her posture a little bit and ponders the question. She says, well, I suppose if um, I had been told, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, I, I had been told certain things or uh, whatever, and though those things turned out not to be true, then... I might feel betrayed, but she said, what I learned was that I was not informed. And I, so when I began to inform myself of what the packages said, what the contents were, and the risks and so forth that were added, um, it became clear to me that I would not want to have, you know, my clients, my medical clients, go down that road. I would rather provide for them a safer alternative to the vaccines. And mm -hmm. so that was critical because that was a reflective thought. You see, that's, that's, a, that's a moral consideration that she made. Now, let's suppose that you're a doctor and all you are, you've taken the Hippocratic Oath that says you're supposed to do the best you can. Okay, and somebody walks in, you've got to give a bunch of statistics and scenarios over the past 20 years, and every year you update your subscriptions, you're told what's the best medicines, you're told 
all these things that, you know, work for this, that, or whatever, however it is you get your information as a physician. Mm -hmm. And then based on that information that you have and based on what your hospital uh, suggests and recommends that, that you do within the confines of the hospital, that's what you do. Now, to that individual, that's the best that I can provide. I've sufficed uh, my Hippocratic oath. But to a woman and a doctor like Suzanne Humphreys, she says, no, that's not good enough. It's not good enough that I don't know what these things say or that I don't know the literature. I need to know the literature so that I can actually inform. So mm -hmm. that ha I have to believe that that has to come from a God conscious, a conscious of, of God's morality that is placed upon her heart. And she makes those decisions based on that. And um, you, that, that tells you all you need to know about that person. You know, she has made decisions to inform herself before she goes and tells one of her patients, well, here, just do this. Well, here, just do that. Well, here's a pill. Here's a pharmaceutical company. Here's this. Here's that. And the things that she shares with us about vitamin C, I am finding routinely are being recorded in literature that I am seeing cropping up everywhere uh, about the efficacy of vitamin C in significant doses sufficient to do its job. And not just vitamin C, other things, of course. <clears throat> and, and the papers to back it up. Um, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just, you know, we sit here and scratch our heads and look at what's going on in the nation with regards to this whole, uh, uh, you know, ignorance uh, is bliss mentality of, of people. And blindly and uh, following whomever or whatever it is at the head of whatever agency that tells them to go do whatever it is they must go do. <laughs> and if that is not evidence of slavery or bondage or tyranny, as you said, what will it take for a people to realize it? Well, there's a clear wake-up call if you watch that speech today that Karl Marx is in the house and God is feeding that. Better wake up. Yeah, we are Rich, enemy number one. Rich, did you hear the president today? No, we can't. We don't have TV hookup yet. Okay. Well, you can find it online. He said that Are everybody you, uh, that doesn't doesn't take a vaccine is an enemy of the state, or the problem that faces America. What else, what else is new? And mm -hmm. they must be dealt with. Or something to that effect. 
I'm sure that's going to go over big. <laughs> FJB, come on, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> well, he's the most hated dirtbag ever in his office, and he's got the lowest appointed rating ever existed. So I don't think he's got much power. Well, he sounded like he's being controlled by Edward Bernice, the the nephew of uh, the great psychologist Freud. Yeah, I Edward think he's Ford, dead, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's dead, but his methods are carry on. And that that was a very skillfully written speech, and of course, he didn't have anything to do with it. But of course. <laughs> <clears throat> Very interesting. The word verbiage. Well, he's going to drive his ratings even lower than low. We thought Obama was bad. This guy is like. Jimmy it's Carter. not even him. I, I I don't think it's a real person either. I think it's an avatar or a clone. Well, it's a group or a of people. That's like, you know, there were four Hillary Clintons. Mm-hmm. He certainly doesn't qualify as an authority at all. No way no. whatsoever. Did you guys hear about the comet that was in last week? I didn't. They had a Comet Leonard. It was um, the closest heavenly body to Venus. And they were actually, um, Venus was picking up a charge off of this comet between it and the sun. And it was like the brightest thing in the sky. And it was for, um, it was still going on now, but they've they've buried the skies in clouds at the moment. But I saw it a couple of nights in a row, way back um, about a week ago. But uh, it was a bright, bright comet. And they think that, Comets have got a um, a history of meaning a, a great upset or political changes in the air. Because there was a comet in 1618, right before the pilgrims landed. And comets have um, back have uh, viruses in the tail of the comet, and they they're huge, millions of miles long, and they can like cover a planet with bacteria and virus. Well, no, maybe not bacteria because that'll be killed, but viruses live in the tails of comets. And that's why there were no live Indians in Plymouth when the uh, the pilgrims landed. They had all been wiped out by the comet. But you can uh, pick this up on James McKinney's website. 
and go to last um, Thursday's talk. It's uh, it's up on on the uh, on his website. And you can hear a whole dissertation on it. But he said it was the greatest Christmas present he ever got. And it only happened uh, once before 4,000 years ago. It was a very unique astral event. Hello? Yep. Yep, I'm here. I'm listening. Sounds interesting. There's a change in the air. And I listen to the web this website every once in a while. It's uh Christian Engineers, it's called Wits. The Wits stands for um Something through the spirit. One of the guys on there says he's had prophetic dreams for months and months now that um, the Trump was going to get back in and was going to do a full term and a half more. So he says that this is going to happen, but... um, Oh, it's Wits' World Improvement Through the Spirit. And they have a um, a, a show on Wednesday nights at um, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And they show some pretty interesting engineering and scientific videos and and prophetic videos and stuff. They're a good bunch of guys. So if you uh, you want to find them, just put W I T T S Ministries in your search bar, and um, you can pick it up on Wednesday nights. Might enjoy that show. And that one and James McCanny show is on uh, seven o'clock on WWCR Tower 2. And he was a friend of um, Pete Peters. said Pete was the only honest uh, preacher he ever met. So he has a real interesting show, and he's got 20 years of archives. Been on WWCI nonstop for 20 years. Never heard of a Dr. Irving? Not that I can think of got a book titled How the Truth is Stifled. No, I don't think I've heard of him. 
I'm looking for a book now called the Archco Volumes. Yeah. And, uh, you guys familiar with that? Yeah, I referred to it last week. I was going to go to the local library here in Key Largo and check it out and see if they had a copy. They probably purged mm. all their good stuff anyway. Yeah, I I doubt that it's there. Um, as I say, I think Destiny Publishers... Uh, might have a copy uh, because um, archaeologist Ray Cap was was pretty informed on on things that were of archaeological record, you know. And yeah, I saw a couple PDFs sent to that in the internet search, so. Might be able to download it. Yeah, it's it's possible. I mean, people have been doing that to try to get things out. Uh, like a quite possible that it that it might be. But um, otherwise. Um, you know, I didn't know what this big uh, uh, speech of Biden's was going to be about, so I had a been doing a little research on the Supreme Court precedent that I feel that they'll most likely be relying on. But um, I think they're going to have to dig a little deeper, and so I think there's probably others that that I'm not aware of that they'll they'll try to pull in. So I had some. Well, there was some an things. ancient one from Massachusetts. That's correct. In 1905. The, and the punishment on that was five dollars. Five dollars. That's correct. And and. Um, you know, maybe for the sake of the fellowship, it would be worth it to go over it so that people have it in their heads as they start to hear from others out there that they'd be able to more, you know, correctly direct the thoughts perhaps, um, uh, you know, as in our conversations together from day to day with people or, um, you know, if if you feel that that's not that important, I had uh, got back into Hosea and and presented uh, or prepared notes for for presenting Hosea Part Ten, and that bring would bring us up to Chapter Five. Um, I suppose in going through those notes, they could be gone through. Uh, as rapidly as probably 45 minutes if I don't go into the scriptures, but rather reference the scriptures that pertain to the issues that Hosea is addressing. So, you know, we could try to, you know, bang on both uh, both ends of it. Isaac won't be joining this evening, so he's uh, 
on things uh, late this evening and doesn't think he'll be finished up until um, probably closer to our completion time. And uh, so at any rate, those are some things that we can review if you want to uh, look at one or the other then let me know What was your gut, uh, Doug? What was that? Go with your gut. What do you think you feel called to talk about tonight? <clears throat> well, you know, <clears throat> I do feel we need to be informed and we need to be ready. Uh, um, Scripture is is our best information for um, being able to counter it. But when you're talking about current events, uh, a lot of times, and especially since we live in times of of an authority exerted over us outside of God's authority, then we've we've got to have, like Daniel, had to have a little understanding of of how the the system worked in the days of Daniel and he knew that there would be political individuals that would be lobbying against uh, him as a uh, individual that could benefit the king's dominion and that he would do things in accordance with the understanding of his own God in spite of where he he was or that he was a captive. And so, you know, both things are important, uh, certainly. And um, I feel probably equally compelled to to try to review some of it. So um, I'd say that, you know, I'll give it a whirl here and go over some of this stuff on the case on the vaccination in 1905 and, you know, try to get people to look at it in terms of what we've been talking about, which is authority. And, you know, there was a, artist rendering that was done in 1863, I believe it was, or um, uh, 1872. It was the illustration was titled Vaccinating the Poor. Now, isn't that an interesting illustration or a title to an illustration for eliminating the poor individuals you know in the in basically a police precinct and and there's some constables standing around and 
and a physician was administering inoculations. Um, as I say, I, I think the vast majority of people don't really know how far back this stuff has been going. And we were talking about Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, you know, and she's taken the last 100 years of vaccinations and she's pretty well obliterated them as totally unnecessary, not only unnecessarily, to totally unwarranted, and in fact, very damaging and devastating in terms of its long-term history. Um, so you're going to hear a lot this week about people, you know, talking about the Supreme Court. I understand one of the appeals court just kicked it out, and that is ostensibly setting it up for a showdown in the Supreme Court. And um, uh, the uh, case, you can find this on, I go to a place called supreme.justia, as in just, justia, J-U-S-D-I-A.com, supreme.justia.com. And uh, this is Jacobson v. Massachusetts. So if you were to type that into a search, you would get the case up, 197 U.S. 11, 1905. <clears throat> the primary holding from the annotations on, on this uh, decision, the opinion and summary annotations, the primary holding was that a state can enact a compulsory vaccination law. Since the legislature has the discretion to decide whether vaccination is the best way to prevent smallpox and protect public health, the legislature may exempt children from the law without violating the equal protection rights of adults if the law, law applies equally among um, the, uh, the adult participants. And such was the case in Massachusetts. There was a law that provided that the Board of Health of a city or town may require and enforce vaccination and re-vaccination of its inhabitants. This is why I mentioned that I thought that Biden's speech had a lot of the tones uh, that I find in this Supreme Court uh, decision, which is a precedent in the United States. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that I, I believe that we are bound by those precedents. I just know that this is the system, and the system loves to hold to its precedents, just like Jews hold to their precedences, called the Talmud, and its companion, Kabbalah, for all of the information that, that they feel is necessary to determine uh, historical things in their, in their Jewish history. <clears throat> but anyhow, this is one of the, the key factors that I think most people are going to miss that you talk about or that is being talked about, and that is that, first of all, you have to have a law. And the United States Congress being made up of Democrats now for some, what, uh, 11 months, they have failed to go to the table and enact a law. And um, if they were to do that, then there would be a, a federal law. Now, they have enacted the emergency statutes and others of these things, which they will use as laws in their own arguments, 
And so essentially, Massachusetts had a law. And Jacobson, which is the reason Jacobson v. Massachusetts, had violated that law because he failed to get the vaccination. And um, even though it was provided to them free of charge. And there was a $5 fine for those over 21 who violated the law. He was subsequently jailed and he appealed his case and it made its way to the Supreme Court. And the basic reason was that it was based on the increasing presence of smallpox in that particular city in Massachusetts. And that's basically what would happen. You could be fined and ordered held in custody until the fine was paid. And Justice Harlan, who's a black justice, he ruled that the vaccination law did not violate Jacobson's 14th Amendment assertion because the police power of the state can be allowed to constrain individual liberties through reasonable regulations when required to protect public safety. So he reasoned that individual liberty does not allow people to take actions regardless of the harm that they could cause to others. I don't know if you caught that. He reasoned that individual liberty does not allow people to take actions regardless of the harm that they could cause to others. Well, isn't it an equal injustice to not reason that individual liberty does not allow government to take actions regardless of the harm that they could cause to others? One of the key questions that I think we've got to get into our head right now because the vast majority of people don't have any idea what they would argue if this were to be the situation that they'd be faced with in the future. So Harlan basically felt that the plaintiff had failed to show that the vaccination law was arbitrary or oppressive. Now, isn't that an interesting word? We not only can prove that this vaccination law or mandate or whatever it is that we're calling it until there is a law, and I find that it's very interesting, a lot of states have gone out and produce legislation that says you cannot mandate or the state will not mandate businesses be required or mandated to wear masks or businesses be required and mandated to provide proof of a vaccination. But until I'm able to see all of those laws and so forth, the question still remains, did any of them withdraw the power of a state to inoculate at will if it is such the desire of the state. So anybody's you know, free to correct me and to tell me, oh yeah, you know, Texas did this or Massachusetts did or you know, any other state, but at this time, all I can recall really hearing about is laws that they are using or that they are actually legislating to forbid or prevent 
a a mask mandate of private companies or citizens in general, uh, whether mask or you know other kinds. So, like I say, if if they've still got it on the books or have laws on the books that they can, in fact, you know, um, uh, under public health safety and consideration, mandate a vaccination law then those laws still exist on those state books and it needs to be reversed or it needs to be done away with. So although Harlan says um, that he noted the increasing presence of smallpox, which prevented the plaintiff from convincingly asserting that the rule had no real or substantial relation to public health and safety. So essentially Harlan was saying Look, the fact that there's the evidence of smallpox in the city, there's no amount of of real or substantial evidence that you could provide me that would show that there wasn't a substantial relationship to protecting the public health. So in other words, there's no argument there, is what he's saying. You couldn't even begin to pre... In other words, to Harlan, he would say today, the fact that COVID exists, Delta exists, and um, what uh, what's the Omicron exists, whether it's a fact or not, if he asserts that the fact is that it exists, and that's a fact that Harlan has not produced into evidence that it does not, in fact, exist, and that the virus has never been isolated, you see, that's that's all part of of an argument that's got to go forward uh, in today's world and this constitutional framework and so forth. Although the plaintiff, he says, presented evidence that some doctors believed that smallpox vaccine was not effective and could cause further diseases, Harlan pointed out that the opposite view represents the common medical belief and is followed by more reputable doctors. Well, in whose opinion? Harlan's? Because we're faced with that same situation today. Uh, Is it the state's physicians that knows all? The federal government's physicians that knows all? Contrary to medical belief that is followed by doctors all over the world and the country. But yet Harlan refers to them as more reputable doctors. Although Harlan, it says, largely deferred to the legislature, Harlan noted that requiring a vaccination for certain people with certain health conditions would be cruel and inhumane. So he notes that requiring a vaccination for certain people with certain health conditions would be cruel and inhumane. Jacobson had an allergic reaction as a child and it left him with a severe rash for years and years after. And he was very concerned about his own children. So it's all it's all double talk as we've learned to observe and see in these kinds of rulings. And he says 
that this certainly would justify a court in shielding them from enforcement of the law. Well, it obviously didn't shield him from enforcement of the law, which he sought shielding from the enforcement of the law by the Supreme Court. Surely, I live in America, he's thinking. I live in America where this cannot happen. This forced situation is a deprivation of my life, liberty, and ultimately his property, that is his five bucks, which was a lot of money back then. And then Harlan goes on to say that the plaintiff did not show that he had a medical condition that made him unfit for vaccination. Well, what kind of ability would Jacobson have had in 1905 to have shown that he had a medical condition that made him unfit for vaccination? And is that the standard? Only showing that you have a medical condition that makes you unfit for vaccination? What is the medical condition? Who's going to decide the medical condition? Is any physician be able to give you a medical condition or only certain physicians able to give you or diagnose a medical condition that makes you unfit for vaccination? So there's a whole lot to it. And I don't know if anybody's done one of these things and decided to go over it or anything else um, in these cases. I suspect that the the Levin will probably do it if he hasn't. Um, I haven't been paying any attention to him. So if he has, um, whether uh, this dovetails with some of his uh, own reasoning, I think it's just, it's pretty much just standard reasoning. If you take these things and look at them and read them with eyes to see and ears to hear, um, so in the syllabus of the case, it starts stating this. The United States does not derive any of its substantive powers from the preamble of the Constitution. You see, Jacobson was arguing deprivation of life, liberty, and property, which is in the preamble of the Constitution. So he basically starts by saying, you know, the preamble doesn't give any substantive powers. It can't exert any power to secure the declared objects that are declared in that preamble, unless, apart from the preamble, such powers are found in or, or can be properly implied from some expressed delegation in the instrument. While the spirit of the Constitution is to be respected not less than its letter, the spirit is to be collected chiefly from its words. While the exclusion of evidence in the state court in a case involving the constitutionality of a state statute may not strictly present a federal question, this court may consider the rejection of such evidence upon the ground of incompetency or immateriality under the statute as showing its scope and meaning in the opinion of the state court. So what that's saying is that even though there may be an exclusion of evidence in a state course involving a constitutionality uh, of a state statute, it doesn't necessarily present a federal question. But the court may consider any rejection of such evidence. Remember, we're talking about an exclusion of evidence and i.e. a rejection of some evidence in a lower court upon the ground of incompetency or immateriality under the statute as showing its scope and meaning in the opinion of the state court. So if the state court says, well, we deem this information that you're bringing is immaterial. 
Um, so now we could look at all of the people that we know who've done all the information, produced tens of thousands of people that are dead, hundreds of thousands of people that are injured, and a state court could simply say, this is immaterial. Uh, these statements are grounded in incompetency because they do not understand the gravity and the scope of the situation or the pandemic. The police power of a state embraces such reasonable regulations relating to matters completely within its territory and not affecting the people of other states, established directly by legislative enactment, as will protect the public health and safety. While a local regulation, if based on the acknowledged police power of the state, must always yield in case of conflict with the exercise by the general government of any power it possesses under the Constitution, the mode or manner of exercising its police power is within its discretion of the state, so long as the Constitution of the United States is not contravened, or any right granted or secured thereby is not infringed, or not exercised in such an arbitrary and oppressive manner as to justify the interference of the courts to prevent wrong and oppression. And I found it really quite interesting, the words, oppressive manner, wrongs, and oppression. Because as I was doing the study for Hosea, part 10, this is exactly what we find repeatedly, is the oppression of the state the oppression of the civil administrator rulers and the princes of the day. And yet, none of this is deemed oppressive. Because they will always determine that it's not oppressive. Because why? Because we are the legal authority for what's oppressive. And we've learned, was somebody going to say something? <laughs> we've learned that what's oppressive, it's oppressive to um, insist that a woman who's been impregnated to bear a child to both the man and the woman. See, that, that's oppressive. That's the definition that they have applied to oppression. It, it is astounding to me when we look at these legalisms that we see, and I'm telling you, it is, it is as confounding their legalisms in many cases, nearly all, as it is to read through the Jewish Talmud. Seriously. And by design, because it's been largely headed by people of that persuasion. Go ahead. So what you're saying is it depends on what you mean by is. It depends on what your definition of the word is is. Or your definition of the word arbitrary is. The definition of the uh, word oppressive is. Uh-huh. So it's Bill Clinton all over again. 
it is within the power of the state to enact a compulsory vaccination law. And it is for the legislature and not for the courts to determine in the first instance whether vaccination is or is not the best mode for the prevention of smallpox. Now, I want to reread that. It is within the police power of a state to enact a compulsory vaccination law. And it is for the legislature and not for the courts to determine in the first instance whether vaccination is or is not the best mode for the prevention of smallpox and the protection of the public health. So once again, as I say, when you start hearing about attorneys going to argue a case and so forth, you better pay attention to what it is they're going to argue. Because here you have to recognize that is it the best mode and did the legislature establish the best mode for the prevention of whatever the disease is and the protection of the public health? And if the answer is that they adopted a vaccination program in their legislature to be directed by the Department of, of Health and uh, whatever of a particular state, and it's to be implemented and carried out, then it has all the provisions that it needs to be carried out. The question is, is it or is it not the best mode for the prevention and did the legislature actually cover that? And if they did not cover that, there's your argument. But that does not guarantee that the Supreme Court is going to say, well, we buy your argument in that there is no prevention mechanism written into the statute, and there was not a best mode for the prevention written into the statute, the statute, so any of these states that are preparing to adopt legislation and so forth, those people need to be saying, what is it that we're going to see say is the best mode? Are we going to have doctors from within and without? Are we going to have doctors only that are at universities who largely are funded by federal tax dollars? You see, these are all huge questions. And it shows the slippery slope that we've gone down. In the first instance, as they say, whether or not it's the best mode, well, we know this particular thing, the best mode, is not what it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. They could have done ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and a whole host of others and not lost a single life or any lives that may have been lost may have been specifically highly attributable to those comorbidities that were very much in play in those particular patients' health to begin with. It goes on, there being obvious reasons for such exception, the fact that children under certain circumstances are accepted from the operation of the law does not deny the equal protection of law to the adults if the statute is applicable equally to all adults in like condition. The highest court of Massachusetts not having held that the compulsory vaccination law of that state establishes the absolute rule that an adult must be vaccinated if he is, even if he is not a fit subject at the time or uh, that vaccination would seriously injure his health or cause his death, this court holds that 
as to an adult residing in the community and a fifth subject of vaccination, the statute <clears throat> is not invalid, as in derogation of any of the rights of such person under the 14th Amendment. So in other words, what they're saying is the High Court of Massachusetts, having not held that the compulsory vaccination law established an absolute rule that an adult must be vaccinated if he is not a fit subject. Okay, the fact that it didn't hold to that doesn't imply that an adult residing in the community and a fit subject would in any way be deprived of any of the rights under the 14th Amendment because there was no law that said if you can produce the statute that says or the provision in the statute that says that the compulsory vaccination law established an absolute rule that somebody must be vaccinated whether or not he has a pre-existing or a health condition or otherwise that would prevent him. So in other words, just because they didn't have one does not mean that you, Mr. Jacobson, was an individual that wasn't a fit subject. Now, if that isn't twisted, convoluted logic, the state, the, this case involves the validity under the Constitution of the United States of certain provisions in the state statutes of the Massachusetts relating to vaccination. Revised Laws of the Commonwealth, Section Statute 75, uh, Subsection 137, provided that, blah, 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 blah. It's just the law. I'm not going to waste time in reading it. Whereas small box has been prevalent to some extent in the city of Cambridge and still continues to increase, and whereas it is necessary for the speedy extermination of the disease that all persons not protected by vaccination should be vaccinated, and whereas in the opinion of the board, the public health and safety require the vaccination or revaccination of all the inhabitants of Cambridge, be it ordered that all inhabitants of the city be vaccinated by March 1, 1897. Subsequently, the board adopted an additional regulation empowering a named physician to enforce the vaccination on the persons at a special board meeting. The above regulations being enforced, the plaintiff in error, Jacobson proceeded against by a criminal complaint, subsequently arrested, held in jail, and uh, this guy, uh, you know, the sued. And... Uh, so that, that, that's basically um, the, the summation. There's a little bit more to it. Uh, uh, the case was continued for the opinion of the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts, and that court overruled all of the defendant's exceptions, sustained the action, action of the trial court, and thereafter pursued, pursuant to the verdict of the jury, he was sentenced by the court to pay the fine of $5, and the court ordered that he stand committed till the fine was paid. Each of the defendant's prayers for instructions was rejected. He duly accepted. The defendant, <laughs> isn't that just classic? Uh, 
the defendant argued, states tended to subvert and defeat the purpose of the Constitution as declared in its preamble, that the section referred to was in derogation of the rights secured to the defendant by the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, and especially of the clauses of the amendment providing no state shall make or enforce any law abridging the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction equal protection of the laws. That said, section was opposed to the spirit of the Constitution. Each of the defendant's prayers for instructions was rejected. He duly accepted. The defendant requested the court, but the court refused to instruct the jury to return a verdict of not guilty. And the court instructed the jury in substance that if they believed the evidence introduced by the Commonwealth were satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant was guilty of the offense, charged in the complaint, they'd be warranted in finding a verdict of guilty. A verdict of guilty was returned. It was continued to the Supreme Judicial Court. That court overruled the defendant's exceptions, sustained the actions of the trial court, and thereafter pursuant to the verdict, he was sentenced by the court to pay a fine of $5, and he stand committed until the fine was paid. There you go. And that's what you're going to hear a lot of hub law about, about the the actual, you know, the actual case. And as I say, when you go through that summary, there are a number of things that glaringly pop out that we have substantial ability to argue much better than Jacobson was able to in 1905. You can imagine Jacobson was just somebody that was a, he was a vaccine-injured individual. He didn't have any, any, any other power, any other resources at his ability other than to say that I've been injured and I don't want my children to be injured, even my own adult children. And subsequently, Jacobson did have a child who did get vaccinated, and he had loss of that arm for a significant period of time. So Biden, I know in some of the the um, you know infomercials, if you will, about his speech for today, I heard some of those things being said in in those in those little short sound bites uh, and so forth about uh, your liberty uh, does not trump the liberty of others around you, and so I was fairly convinced that he was probably going to go out and put forward some kind of a case uh, on that basis because that's the intention that it's, it's intending to be argued, I would say, is that your liberty doesn't trump another person's liberty. But I again, I have to ask the question, how does that logic that says your liberty, you are not at liberty, to go around unvaccinated because other people can receive the disease, as they keep calling it, the virus from you, um, because you are unvaccinated. But yet, 
it falls so flat because we know vaccinated, getting vaccinated, going about their business and actually quarantining themselves and so forth, acquired it. And of course, the blame is always to the unvaccinated. Yet we have all the case studies being done all over the world where you now have examples of you know, near full compliance in Israel, near full compliance in Norway or one of the other, you know, European countries over there, and <clears throat> and them still having issues with, you know, better than 80%, which they said, you know, at 80%, you'd, you'd reach a herd immunity and this would no longer be a problem for you. So it seems to me that this is not much of a case for them to be able to hang their hat on because it's so weak and Black Justice Harlan is going to be a guy that they're not going to want to overturn because they've been propping up his decisions for so long. They're going to be hard-pressed to take away that liberty argument in this. And, of course, it has nothing to do with liberty unless you're going to equally argue, well, what kind of sense and logic does it make to argue uh, about the right of one person's liberty? Then how about the right of one person's liberty to not become a vaccine-injured individual? Is, is, what, is the, what is the threshold? 10,000 deaths is not the threshold? Will it be 40,000, 80,000, or 100,000 will be the threshold? Because they're already now admitting that the numbers of vaccinated that the CDC has been reporting is not actually accurate. So there's been less vaccinated than they've been reporting. So obviously we need to vaccinate more And that will be the argument. We have to vaccinate more because the numbers are not being reached that are required for us to be able to say we've got the disease under control. But yet we have multitudinous doctors, multitudinous reports, and everything else that are able to show and exemplify clearly that other people's liberty to make medical decisions that are in their own best interests of life, liberty, and property, apparently they, this court will probably find themselves having to uphold Harlan in order to not throw Harlan under the bus. I vote to throw Harlan under the bus. Do I hear a second? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, by throwing Harlan under the bus, the question is, what do we get next?
they're going to give us the worst that they can give us anyway. The majority opinion said there are manifold restraints to which every person is necessarily subject for the common good. Let me repeat. There are manifold restraints to which every person is necessarily subject for the common good. On any other basis, organized society could not exist with safety to its members. Society, based on the rule that each one is a law unto himself, would soon be confronted with disorder and anarchy. And nobody's arguing that. Jacobson didn't even argue that. He argued that I don't want to be injured. I've already been injured. I don't want to be injured again. But he didn't have any more medical backing to be able to to argue his case. And that dumbass Donald Trump, pardon my French. Well, I pardon it. Yeah, yeah, when when he when he's faced with a bunch of booze when he's talking about getting the vaccine and and having got it and all the rest of it, and he gets a bunch of booze, then he says, well, you know, you do have your freedoms, and you have, you have to keep, you have to maintain that. Now, what a dumb statement. Yeah. Because well, what does he really time. know? Huh? It's about time we start holding him accountable for... For if we can say Joe Biden's not in charge and some deep, dark group of people's behind Joe Biden, why couldn't we make the same argument for Trump? Uh, he's played a very necessary role in this whole mess. Very. So, you know, he's not innocent. He's not innocent of this mess. He's responsible for it. And yet, many, many, many people would put him right back in the same position to where he was ineffective and a buffoon. And here's how I'll argue that. All of his appointees were buffoons. And what did he accomplish? Which swamp member was thrown out of the swamp? Name me one. Did he get Pelosi out of the swamp? Did he get uh, the Jew Senate leader out of the swamp? Did he get, just name me one that he got and took out of the swamp, filed charges on, and is is doing anything. He talked. He's a con man. The greatest con of all. And he's good at it. He's a Bronx con boy. And what? Which one of us 
ever knows we're being conned when we're being conned. We learn about it after the fact, don't we? Otherwise, we wouldn't fall for it. Do you think Donald Trump was good for America? It was good for gas prices. The courts really makes clear that a community in danger has every right to protect itself. Then why don't we, uh, you know, protect the I just, system? Uh, huh? Sorry. What about these mass robbers going on? Nobody's stopping that, are they? What do they call them? Smashing the crash? How about the question, does an individual person have the right to protect themselves from danger? Exactly. At what point does the individual and does the court, you remember how God repeatedly said that there's no justice to the widow, to the orphan, and so forth. You see, he's not just meaning only widowed and only orphaned or anything else. He, he's just, he's making it clear that the most vulnerable are the ones that are being deprived justice because of their inability. Uh, you know, you think about it <clears throat> then, um, a woman who's a widow she has no cover of her husband. Maybe she has family. Maybe those family are no longer located where she and her husband lived at the time her husband died. Perhaps it wasn't convenient for some of the family to be there specifically for her, but they certainly reach out to and help her in whatever way they can from some distance away, which may have been three or four days, you know, camel ride. It could have been um, you know, a, a week's worth of foot, uh, you know, travel. The point is, is that when we have individuals that are most vulnerable and they cannot get justice, that's the point that God was making. And I find the significance there, is, as Rich said, when, when is there a point in which a court makes it clear that an individual in danger has every right to protect it or her, him or herself. You see, and that, that is a whole lot grayer, apparently, in justice's minds than the protection of the state. That's clear to me. And God has always been about individual protection. That's the difference between our God and the God that we acknowledge and the God that the world does not acknowledge. That is, there are no gods and they're atheist gods, they're humanist gods, and so forth. It's just like we were talking about with Dr. Humphreys. She has a moral conscience that was awakened in her 
And she said, I have a duty and a responsibility to know what's in these drugs if I'm going to recommend it to a patient. I have a duty and a responsibility to know the clear ramification of a drug. So this, to me, is the pivotal point in history as to where, whether our people in America are going to make a distinction between a God-given natural obligation in service to our Creator and one another and truly respect that that individual has as much right to worship God in accordance with the dictates of his conscience, including what he or she chooses to put in their body. Daniel chapter 6. Well, yeah, we'll start it at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and priests because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasions against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Let me just stop there because I want to make a point. You guys have probably been hearing a lot of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And boy, Marjorie Taylor Greene is out there everywhere from Georgia. She's, you know, she is the queen of what it means to fight back. Well, I found out a little dirty secret about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and you may or may not care. Because after all, I'm only negative, you understand. Marjorie Taylor Greene, like so many of our politicians, has disclosed that she held stock in one or more of, you guessed it, the pharmaceutical companies making the vaccine. Well, you see, Doug, everybody owns stock. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know that, and I've been trying to talk to people about that. You go ahead and own your stocks. You go ahead and invest in your companies, your 401Ks, your 503Bs. You invested in these companies that you have no idea what it is that they do and who it is that they injure. And you go to sleep at night and you get up in the morning and you praise God for your 401K and your 503B and how well it's done for you and how well you're going to retire with it. And when you become sick and you reach out to God in prayer and you can't understand why you're not being healed or any one of a number of other things, 
perhaps you might remember the words of Doug Nelson. That it could have something to do with his willingness to oblige your prayer. Just saying. This woman, as Russell and I were talking about, Dr. Humphreys, she had a moral conscious epiphany, as many of these doctors have had, who have gone to alternative forms and have left the medical establishment that they were trained under to seek to truly help their clients be healed with proper nutrition, proper supplementations, and so forth, to assist and aid their immune systems to recover from damage caused to them by much of the various drugs that have been injected in them since they were children, including you and I. You've often looked at your own children, Russell, Rich, and thought, why does rye or why does um, uh, uh, one of the children have these, this problem? And you're trying to combat it. And have we often began to sit down and question and wonder, is it because our parents were forced to take our children down and have measles MMR pumped into us and all of the, you know, the, the, the main three or the main four or the main five that were relevant in our time. And now they're doing six, eight, ten, and twelve. We have no idea the ramifications, the future ramifications of the damage to tissues and so forth. Dr. Robert Malone, his latest video, I don't know if you've seen it. I, I, I don't remember me, if I sent it out. Let, I might have sent it. Go ahead. Let me ha- let me hypothesize for just a second. Could this be the origin of all cancers? It most certainly can be. Mm-hmm. You know, cancer is a dead cell. It's dead cell tissue. In other words, parts of your body are dying. Uh huh. That's what cancer is. Am I wrong, Rich? Is that what cancer is? Uh, Cancer, I think, is a mutated cell that is not getting the right messages. Okay, mutated cells. Okay, well, what caused the cell to mutate? Am I not fearfully and wonderfully made? Well, chemtrails. Go ahead, Russell. Go ahead, Russell. Adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So we go down there, we line up, and we adulterate our system, don't we, with vaccines. And then... It's manifest later on in life for cancer or whatever other disease. The Evening Herald of Fall River, Massachusetts. 
The Evening What's Herald of Fall Re- I'm sorry, go ahead. Repeat that, Rich. I said now the vaccination schedule is over 50 of them for kids. Good gosh. And you know what? They're doing 57 or 59. They want to add COVID vaccine on top of that. Right. Yeah. Let me read. Let me read from the Evening Herald of Fall River, Massachusetts. November 17, 1904. Quote. He was born in Sweden and until he was vaccinated in infancy was in excellent health. Six days after the vaccine, he was troubled with a hot burning rash which continued for years. He needed constant and efficient care such as being wrapped in hot sheets, etc. As an adult, Jacobson had urged his 18-year-old son to avoid vaccination, but the boy was threatened with losing his job if he didn't protect himself against smallpox. So he took the shot. He, too, had painful side effects, leaving his arm in a sling, unable to use. The only competent evidence... The only competent evidence that could be presented to the court to prove these propositions of all of the statements that we would say are out there right now of people saying the you know the the problem with the vaccine the only competent evidence that he could present was the testimony of experts giving their opinions this is what the supreme court said quote the only competent evidence in quotes, that could be presented to the court to prove these propositions was the testimony of experts giving their opinions, end quote. Assuming that, continued quote, assuming that medical experts could have been found who would have testified in support of these propositions, the court would have been obliged to consider the evidence in connection with facts of common knowledge, which the court will always regard in passing upon the constitutionality of the statute. So in other words... That sounds like the drug companies had their shills. Exactly. You see, there wasn't anybody that could provide, quote, competent evidence because it was only the testimony of experts giving their opinions. You shouldn't be hung on an opinion. You see, that's what I try to get people to understand, is this crap has been going on for a long time. This is 1905. You had nine justices sitting there, and seven of them allowed this garbage to go out as an approved opinion by the other seven. And you think you've been in a country that's free. You think that you have been in a country that you have gone around the world to die for and to fight for liberties and freedoms that you had seven individuals as dumb as this 
rendering an opinion <coughs> that was nothing but an opinion maybe, that sells. Yeah. Maybe not as dumb, but as paid off. The drug companies have always had deep, deep pockets to pay off the right people. Now, hold on. Quote, that for nearly a century, again, from the opinion, that for nearly a century, quote, most of the members of the medical profession have regarded vaccination repeated after intervals as a preventative of smallpox. I want you to hear that again. This is 1905. The court stated, quote, that for nearly a century, most of the members of the medical profession have regarded vaccination repeated after intervals as a preventative of smallpox. That, while they have recognized the possibility of injury to an individual from carelessness in the performance of it, or even in a conceivable case, without carelessness, they generally have considered the risk of such an injury too small to be seriously weighed as against the benefits coming from the discreet and proper use of the preventative, end quote. So, so hold that thought just a minute. So what forms people's opinions? You'd have to say their religious beliefs influence their opinions, if you were honest. So you had a Supreme Court that was one half Catholic and one half Jewish, Who's going to represent my, my bunch of people? Back to Daniel 6. I'm sorry, I diverted on verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. And all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a statute and to make it a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which are alter it not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and the windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So what we have here is we have government individuals. I Apparently, Americans, Christians, worldwide seem to have no ability to take 
the scriptural record and apply it and make it applicable to today. Because these are statutes and idols and things of this nature, and we don't do that today. It was the principle. It's just like the legislative intent. The legislative intent of a statute coupled with the legislative history. You see, we look at, we've been taught to look at these things in the biblical record as just so archaic and and so forth. And yet the bottom line is, is that they've got the handwriting of what's happening today all over it. Look at all these people that surround the president, if you will, the king in this, in this case, and all the decrees that they think should be written so that we will bow down to the state and worship it and do according to its will and its bidding and its decrees. But Daniel did not do according to the decree, not just for the purposes of taking it to the Supreme Court, but for the purposes of actually rooting out the bad actors and causing the bad actors to be destroyed. So I will fast forward. Verse 21 of chapter 6, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel. Shut the lion's mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, the lions, and the mastery of them, and they had break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Amen. And this is what I'm talking about. Until we actually take these nefarious people who are doing these things and cast them into the den of lions where their bones will be crushed to pieces, we will have no peace. And we will have oppression. And we will routinely be oppressed. It's in the word. There's no escaping it. Well, it looks to me like Joe Biden's working for God. He's going to bring Israel to their knees, and God will heal their land. I want you to take this into consideration. What that ruling says is that liberty of the citizen is immunity of his person from seizure or injury, except except for the commission of an offense against the state in the vaccination law of Massachusetts.
And so it's going to be today. The liberty of the citizen in the very first analysis and the immunity of his person from seizure or injury will be accepted when it comes to the commission of offense against the state. We will either be ruled by God's laws or we will choose to be ruled by man's laws. And in God's laws, he says that a person who is sick is supposed to announce that he's sick and he is to be set aside, isolated, quarantined until his sickness subsides. Man's law says, all of you must do what I say you must do, take what I say you must take, inject what I say you must inject, and you're going to like it. Indeed, you're going to love it. And if you don't, you won't eat, because we won't allow you to work anywhere. And we certainly won't allow you to come into our presence to get food. Still proud to be an American, where at least you know you're free? Ask him. Heavenly Father, this hour went extremely fast. Father, I pray that there will be those that will find this informative. They might pass it on to others. That it might find fertile ground in the minds of your remnant people. And they begin to really question who it is they want to serve and where their duty actually lies. Father, I pray for Brother James. Father, I pray for Gwen. Father, we ask that you be with them in their health. Gwen is under the strain of a double duty and James has got the blood disorder, but now he's got an issue with this virus, most likely. And so, Father, we've discussed the things that need to be done, and we trust in those things you've given us. We put him before you in prayer, and he's struggling. He has a struggle with that blood disorder that impacts his lungs, ability to make those blood cells, oxygenated blood cells, and this is, a, this is not a good thing for him to have to have. And so, Father, you've been good and faithful and so gracious in your gifts to him over the years. He's taken it all humbly and lived it in accordance with what you were able to give him and were willing to give him. Father, I just keep him in prayer and I say, Father, continue to bless him 
he's asked. We put him before you in prayer. Father, we continue to give thanks, praise, and glory to you for all that you've done in each of our families, each of our lives. Father, we pray for children, children that make decisions. Pray that those decisions will not be decisions that they will regret having made. We always want them to make decisions that are sound and based on good judgment. Father, we pray that they consult their elders, their parents, and the advice be acknowledged, heeded, as you've asked us to acknowledge and to heed your advice. No different than you, are we, Father? We sure act different than you. We sure are rebellious towards you. Father, give our rebellion, our nation, of our people, your people, Father, here in America and the world. Father, we pray that it does not come down to us having to bash the helmets with baseball bats and pipes and whatever we can, as the French are having to do right now against their armed police forces, against the citizenry who are resisting this tyranny. Father, we put out a warning to our officers and our military personnel. We are your brethren, your kinsmen in the flesh. We are your countrymen. Do not rise up against us. Rise up against the evildoers. Rise up against them and come against them and bind them in the chains that they deserve and throw them into the lion's den and into the dungeons. Father, you know our needs. We thank you for opportunity to share with fellow brethren. Thank you for your protection over Rich and Nancy's travel south again. Father, we just ask that you continue to be with us weeks ahead. Know not what the state has in store for us. Father, we know in the end, we're not going to bow to any king Jesus. We're counting on a day of judgment. Thank you for it. Amen. Well, all right, man. I know it got after the hour here, so appreciate it. And we will catch up with everybody next week. God be with you. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.